Hi, I'm Emery Parker. I'm Brooks Brunson. I'm Kelly Poe. We're here each week to discuss the forces shaping the Palmetto State and provide the context that gives it meaning. This is Understand South Carolina. We're here with Post and Courier reporter Tony Bartlemay, whose recent investigation found that sheriffs in South Carolina spend thousands of dollars of public money on things like first-class flights, private chauffeurs, and we even found one sheriff who spent $10,000 at a single Golden Corral since 2015. It's not clear whether many of these charges are totally legal. Nearly one in four South Carolina counties have seen their sheriffs accused of breaking laws in the past decade. Our investigation shows that this law enforcement office seems to be especially prone to bad behavior. Welcome to the show, Tony. Nice to be here. So, Tony, what did your investigation find? So we took a, a deep, deep look at almost every sheriff department in, the, in South Carolina, trying to see what kinds of things they are doing when it comes to spending. And we found a bunch of, bunch of questionable expenses and charges. It was also a deeper look at, at past behavior and misbehavior by the sheriffs. We found a clear pattern of abuse. What kind of tipped you guys off to do this like bigger project? So last year we did a deep dive into the behavior of a prosecutor up in the Columbia area, Dan Johnson, who we got a tip that he was going uh, to the Galapagos Islands and doing some other things. And so we took a deep dive into his expenses and we found that his assistant was going to the orthodontist in Kentucky on the taxpayer's dime and all sorts of other expenses. He eventually was uh, charged uh, and convicted of various crimes. But we wondered what other islands of inaccountability are out there besides prosecutors, solicitors, and sheriffs came to mind because we've had some notorious cases of sheriffs in the past. I guess we went over some of the big ones. Private chauffeurs when you could have taken an Uber, like the common man does. <laughs> um <laughs> But what what were, in your opinion, like some of the more out there charges, questionable charges you found? Very quickly in our investigation, Chester Sheriff Alex Underwood appeared on our radar, and we found some really unusual charges, some first-class flights to New Orleans, to Reno, and then also these private chauffeur charges, uh, things like $350 to get to an airport that was just two miles away, and other chauffeurs, uh, charges in New Orleans and Washington, D.C. And then also we discovered that he upgraded his room in Reno, $100 a night. And then we eventually asked him and he said, well, I'm a big guy and I don't want my feet to dangle over the mattress. <laughs> isn't it? Okay. Isn't a queen size bed the same length as a king size bed? Am I wrong about that? Right. True. You know, the only thing I could say is, you know, you can sleep sideways on a king a little more, but you can do the same thing on a queen. So I, I got a friend who's 6'4". He said... Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've experienced this. It's not impo- like there's, yeah, you can still sleep. Yeah. Like, there's. <laughs> so he, he explained also that he took all these first class flights because he was, you know, he's six four. He's six four. He needs the leg room. This Reno thing. So your story said, you know, he he spent more than eleven thousand two hundred dollars just on this Reno trip, and then there were also two other sheriffs um, that you referenced in the story that. Spent some extra cash in Reno, and those were um, Greenville County Sheriff Will Lewis, who has now been suspended, and also uh, Leon Lott um, from Richland County. And my understanding is that it is a conference there, right, for sheriffs. So I kind of had this thought when I was first reading the story, like, maybe they should, like, 
just not be allowed to go to this conference? I mean, I don't know. It's like, I mean, why, why Reno? Like, why is it that they feel so comfortable, like, blowing cash in, in Reno specifically? It just seemed odd to me that all three of those officers were. That's a were, great. Sheriffs were. That's a great insight. You know, what we really found was that all these sheriffs are going to all these conferences. They go to a, conferences in South Carolina, usually at Myrtle Beach. They go to all these conferences in all these far-flung areas around the country that are awfully nice to go to, uh, New Orleans and Washington and Chicago. And they spend thousands and thousands of dollars when they do this. And this story kind of opened a window into the abuse that takes place during their, these conferences. I think they're just, you know, they end up, or some of them are parties. It's pretty common, though. I mean, at least, I mean, even in journalism professional conferences, there are a lot in New Orleans specifically. Yeah. And other places like that. I don't know. I, I think it makes sense from the perspective of a conference right. to host it in a place that people will also want to go to. I don't think the issue is like plane tickets to a conference. I think it's first class plane tickets. Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's like they are using these conferences as an excuse to just go, I mean, completely disregard any kind of respect for taxpayer money as well as for their colleagues. I mean, my understanding is with Greenville County Will Lewis that it's while he was in Reno with his assistant, I mean, she alleges that he sexually assaulted her. Um, she recorded a conversation where he's trying to persuade her to share a hotel room with him. And he literally says, like, something like, that's the whole point. Nobody's going to find out. And quite ironic when we now publish this in a newspaper story. But, you know, it's just, why do they think nobody's going to find out? Yeah, that was the crazy thing is, so Will Lewis, the sheriff then of Greenville County, is caught on tape saying, hey, I really just want to go hang out in Reno on the beach and drink and on the public on the public dime. At the same conference, you've got Alex Underwood flying first class right. <laughs> with his deputy and their wives on the taxpayer's dime at that point and upgrading his room and spending $350 on a two-mile trip to the airport. So I'm sure a lot of people go to these conferences and take the various seminars, just like journalists do when they go to the conference. Right. Yeah, there's, there's some actual work sort of being done. But I mean, I wonder if it's like the conf if it's kind of the nature of the conference itself, or is it just South Carolina sheriffs? Like, so I guess my my other thought is, okay, if this is a national sheriffs conference, right? Are other sheriffs from other states behaving this way too? I think so. I think there's and and so after after we, the story ran, we've got some information about some of these national conferences and some misbehavior by other sheriffs, including the hooking up with prostitutes and really eye-opening stuff that, that you know, we'll, we'll probably take a harder look at down the road. So what makes sheriffs so prone to bad behavior? Like, what are the forces in play that allow this? So the sheriff is a unique form of law enforcement. It, they're elected by the voters. It's really the only major kind of law enforcement that is elected directly by voters. So it attracts these political animals, and they often have big egos. And then they kind of exist in this kind of gray area of accountability. So nobody's really watching them. People behave a little differently when they're not watched. And I think, you know, they're elected, but it's not. And maybe this is just me being an uninformed citizen, though I feel fairly informed because I am a journalist. You're right? informed. You know, I mean, I remember, I think it was the 2016 election and I'm going to, you know, vote for vote in the presidential election. And 
Then there was, I, I believe that was the ballot that there was, all of a sudden it was like, oh, Charleston County Sheriff. And I was like, I didn't even know that this was something that I voted for. You know, and I, I believe it was, I think that um, Al Cannon did not have anyone who was running against him. So, but it's still like, I mean, I didn't, it, I don't think that the voter is really thinking about like, oh, who who's going to make a good sheriff? You know, it's not something that we're, as voters, really considering. I mean, Am I right there? Am I the only one that feels that way? Even if I want to, I have trouble finding information. Like the most I can find is like a qu- candidate questionnaire about them, unless someone's done something really bad and there's like news stories about it. Then I know maybe I don't want to vote for that person. Yeah. But most of the time, all I can find is like two candidate questionnaires where they all say the same thing. Oh, we want to increase our presence in the community. Oh, we're tough on crime. Like that's that's useless to me. So yeah, they're elected officials, but it's not like the people are actually electing them in some ways. You're just kind of you're at the um at the polling place going to vote for president and it's like, "Oh, yeah, there's a sheriff." Well, t- I- Tony, wasn't there a line in your story? I, I don't know if if you wrote it or you were quoting somebody, but uh, comparing sheriffs to sort of like Roman emperors, like they can only be do you do you remember what that line was? Yeah, that quote was from John Crane, okay, yeah. a longtime watchdog, who talked about how Ro- you know they're like Roman emperors. The only way they're removed is through an assassination or or uh, death. And you know he wasn't saying that we anybody ought to assassinate anybody. He was just saying that instead of assassins, we have federal investigators that come in and charge these guys, uh, these the, the ones that misbehave. So you think about law enforcement and think you know. Mayors uh, handle police chiefs. Um, the president uh, handles law enforcement and, and the military. It's a very unusual form of of law enforcement in that regard. And, and voters really don't have any way unless there's a scandal that happens. They don't really have any any real way of of understanding what's happening. Really hard to get information. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does it does seem really weird because it's not like any any other kind of political office where you care about like their views on issues. I mean, why like why would I like I would I wouldn't care about like what a sheriff's position on like taxes are, you know? So it, it is it's a, just a fundamentally different type of position to to be electing somebody to. Um, do any of you guys have thoughts on what what a better solution could be for how we appoint sheriffs? So it, it'll take a change in the South Carolina Constitution to make a major change. And so, practically speaking, really hard. However, there are, I think there's some simple things that can be done. One, uh, there's been some talk about an inspector general, the state inspector general, doing regular audits. That may make, make sense. Another thing is that there could be a law passed that just makes sheriff expenditures more transparent because it's really difficult to identify what money comes in and what money goes out. But if it was all posted online... You might not be able to get those expensive cars in Reno, right? Like I mean, we, everybody would see it. It was so hard to get information out of some sheriff's departments. The Richland County Sheriff's Office charged us $500 plus to get essentially records of their electric bills. Wow. Yeah. And, and then we still... Really, you said wait five hundred dollars. Yeah, we spent a lot of money on, on Freedom of Information Act requests. They were the worst. So that was more expensive than Sheriff Underwood's car ride to the airport. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny you said the thing about making it more transparent, um, and that might change some behavior. It did change some behavior already in your story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so we we were investigating Alex Underwood, and we. We um, you know, we found all these questionable expenses, and we submitted questions to them. And one of those uh, was, "Hey, well, why did you spend all all this 
taxpayer money on uh, flights to Reno for your wives, within hours they reimbursed the county for those. And then told us, oh, we, yeah, they first told us, oh, no tax dollars were spent. We paid for that trip out of our own pocket. Well, they didn't say, well, after they got caught. Then there was another one. We, we found a bunch of deputies were borrowing the sheriff's credit card in Marion. Yeah, they all went out to Hooters and, and a couple other restaurants that kind of have these scantily clad waitresses. And, and we mentioned that to them, and they said, hey, they sent a message to all their employees. Don't, don't go to Hooters, please. <laughs> no more Hooters. Go somewhere else. Or if you have to, just don't put it on the— There, there was another the office, too, I think, that was trying to argue they didn't spend taxpayer money because they were using— asset forfeiture money, right? But that's still public money. Totally public money. Yeah. That's, that's another uh, BS excuse. Yeah. 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 They they were trying to say, oh, no tax dollars were spent. But yeah, all that, oh, it, it wasn't their money, mm-hmm. their personal money right. to, to pay for their wives and their fancy hotel rooms. But it's money that is specifically set aside for the public good. Absolutely. You mentioned Hooters. And one of the things I just really, really can't let go about this project is Leon Lott, who, you know, to be fair, um, this is the Ridgeland County Sheriff, and in comparison to a lot of other sheriffs featured in the story, Leon Lott is not one of the worst, which is kind of crazy because, like, stuff he's done doesn't look good, at least not to me as a reader. But the thing that I really just can't let go of is he spent more than $10,600 at a single Golden Corral since 2015. And I know that Golden Corral. There's oh. only I looked this up, so there's only one Golden Corral in Columbia, and it's on the street that I, it's off the main road that I grew up on, and I used to love that Golden Corral. I'm not going to lie. My parents hated it. My family hated it because, I mean, yeah, it's really bad quality food. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. What did you eat? I really, so they have these big um, sweet rolls, and you can put this honey butter on them, and that I would, uh, I would just eat tons of those. They good mac and cheese, fried chicken. You know, you could kind of get a little bit of everything, but I mean, it's very low quality food, and it's also an extremely cheap place. I mean, you know, it's like I don't know, twelve dollars I think for an adult for all you can eat buffet. She called the golden carbohydrate. So I'm just <laughs> like, what I can't let go is okay. I get. I mean, I don't get why you would spend a lot of money on a luxury car that's not when it's not your money. However, fine. But why Golden Corral? Why? Like how? Ugh. <laughs> like how many meals? It's $12 for a buffet. It's okay, 15 if you get a drink with tax included. Like let's I'm going to do a quick math. So it's almost 100? That is 667 meals. Yeah, that's a lot of so he yeah he, he goes years. there it's almost every day every other so he he would go there every, a couple of times a month at least on average over time and take employees okay so so it's a gray area because if he's he, taking employees uh, yeah that makes and he's, it's about morale building and listening or is it buying loyalty is it making mm. your employees more dependent on you is it it's kind of a you know and is do taxpayers expect they're public officials to take everybody out to lunch all the time. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, I think that's a good point, which is just that when you're a elected official and, you know, specifically a law enforcement, like you you are just held to a higher standard. If our bosses did that, mm-hmm. it's no one's concern because we're a for-profit company. Mm-hmm. It's right. different when you're an elected official and it's taxpayer money. 
We found sheriffs do this all the time. And there's a sheriff in Berkeley County constantly taking the mayor out to lunch uh, and other public officials there. Is that okay? It's legal, probably. It's a business lunch, but is it okay? I don't know. It's for the voters to decide, I guess. Well, I, I did have a thought when I was first reading your story. Like there were a couple of, I mean, a lot of those raised eyebrows immediately, right? But some of them, I thought, I I don't know about this. Um, I don't know if it's really worth noting, just my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But like, for instance, there was the situation where $1,600 were spent on registration fees for triathlons and running races. Sheriff's deputies are not particularly well-paid people. And a certain number of team building activities and job perks seem pretty normal to me. And I would much rather have my sheriffs um, running a 5K than tipping well at Hooters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. Just Yeah, it's a good point. I, th- I, th- I think it's – so that I would put that in the car- category of let's just tell our readers that. Let them decide on their own. Yeah, you know, triathlons are kind of a wholesome activity. Again, is it appropriate for taxpayers to pay for that kind of stuff? Maybe. I guess but, that's up to the taxpayers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we tried to keep focus on things really that that benefit the sheriffs themselves personally. And that also kind of gets into the category of, of loyalty and creating that climate where challenging that authority becomes really difficult right. if, you're, if you're a whistleblower. And I guess, you know, the other – the pattern that I also thought was really kind of funny and random, but, it, you know, it kind of makes sense in terms of trying to win over – Loyalty, but we've got we also have two sheriffs that paid a crazy amount of money for insulated cups. So you have Lancaster County Sheriff Barry Fail, nineteen hundred dollars on Yeti tumblers, and uh, again, Richland County Leon Lot, five thousand two hundred dollars on four hundred insulated cups. I mean, yeah, it's just like, for it's random that they both spent. Thousands of dollars on nice cups. Sheriffs really like those insulated thermoses. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a Tervis man myself. Yeah. Like Yeti. I don't know about Yeti tumblers, but. Kind of overrated, huh? Yeah. The other one that is just mind-blowingly wild to me is Saluda, Saluda County ex-sheriff Jason Booth, who, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not funny, it's it's bad. But he used a prisoner to build a, quote, party shed. Yeah. Like, how do you even... Wait, where, where where was the party shed built? Somewhere in Saluda County, I was would assume. His house. At his house. Yeah, yeah. So, he, yeah, there's this program that allows sheriffs to, to take state prisoners, put them in their jails, and then use them for supposedly the public good, not a party shed. <laughs> But Alex Underwood, back to Alec. My, my, uh, Alex Underwood had a, a barn built on his property, and deputies helped him with it. Was that it was a party a, barn? It was a party shed, yeah. There were parties, big Christmas parties attended by state lawmakers and, and lots of people. So we also want to know more about the party well? shed. Like, what? Wait, so there's two different. There's, bar, two, there's two party sheds. There's two. See, that's weird. That's like what a weird pattern. And to be clear, they are both on the property of the sheriffs themselves. Yeah. Like what? It's almost just, it's crazy to me that like two different sheriffs had the same idea to do that. Like if I had some extra labor, I would not be like, oh, I want a party shed. They probably well, like, learned it at a conference. Like, pay, can, can you like pay me the a better picture? Like what, what am I like the shed? I'm imagining, <laughs> you know, like something really ramshackle. Is it, is it like a house? So the pictures 
Oh, the one is it nice? It, it, yeah, it looks really great. It has a bar. At least the one oh. Alex Underwood has his like air conditioning, electricity, and everything. Like yeah, definitely electricity. I couldn't see in the, from the social media pictures whether it had AC. Okay, but it had a bar. It had a dance floor. Okay, <laughs> so, I mean that's that's pretty lit. Like I mean it's not, but I for mean, taxpayers, but for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you guys like per- like I don't even know of anybody who lives in a home. I've never even heard of anybody oh having a party shed. Yeah, I've never heard of a is party that, shed. I've before. never heard that term. But but a separate like a, at your house a separate entity for parties. It's like a man cave. <laughs> yeah, man cave shed. Well, the fact that that is a pattern. <laughs> I don't know if you can call it to a pattern, but the fact that this has happened more than once just in South Carolina and same with the cups thing and a few other things, it does at least make me think, is there something inherent with the way that this office works and the way it's set up that leads to these things? You look at just sheriffs throughout history. They've always been these powerful, super powerful people like you know, the sheriff of Nottingham back in Robin Hood, you know, he was the one of the most powerful man in the kingdom then. It's a fictional character, but it's actually based on on actual history. But then yeah, you look at more recent examples, you got Andy from Mayberry. He was a, a benevolent sheriff, but also the most respected person in town, for sure. But you know, sheriffs have traditionally in the South been among the most powerful people in a county. And with power comes potential. For abuse. The other super striking thing I read from your story is, is so in the case of um, Sheriff Will Lewis, who is suspended um, for Greenville County, and he's the one that his assistant um, has accused him of sexual assault. I believe there are some other charges that he's um, facing. Governor Henry McMaster suspended him, but as you reported, Tony, the governor doesn't have authority to permanently remove sheriffs without convictions. And McMaster even said, if I could re- remove Will Lewis from office, I most certainly would. Yeah, he has the ability to suspend a sheriff who's been charged with a serious crime, but he can't conv- he can't remove him permanently unless the sheriff has been convicted or resigns on his own. And that g- kind of goes back to the whole idea that, that sheriffs uh, derive their authority from the state. So they are... They aren't just minor elected officials. Was he charged with sexual assault? I thought he was charged with sorry, other things. He was char- so I, sorry if I, I didn't make that sound as clear. But yeah, I was, I was saying he was accused of sexual assault, but he was facing other charges unrelated. Yeah, he was accused by in a lawsuit by right. one of his assistants of some very serious charges. And then he was charged or indicted on charges of misconduct and office perjury. Tony, I just want to ask you, what when you were doing this, what surprised you the most? Out of everything you found. So I, I would say the biggest surprise was the climate of fear that I've found in some of these counties. So I went up to one county and within two hours of arriving, just in talking to people, random people, I was warned, hey, you better watch out. I took those with a grain of salt. But for me, it was telling that corruption, public corruption has a tremendous ripple effect throughout a community. So that was my, my biggest surprise. I think that's probably a pretty good place yeah. to leave it. Brooks, do you feel like you better understand South Carolina? I absolutely do. I understand more so than ever just how wild of a place this is to live. Emery, do you feel like you better understand South Carolina? Uh, yeah, apparently party sheds are a thing, and I'm going to build one. <laughs> <laughs> just don't use a prisoner, okay? Uh, apparently. Emery? You okay. get elected first. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, Kelly, do you better understand South Carolina? I do. I do. The climate of fear thing is really interesting. 
Um, and, and Marie, I hope you invite me to your party shed. I will. Absolutely. Everyone's invited. If you haven't read Tony and Joseph Craney's story yet, um, you should check it out. You can find it at postandcourier.com. It's called Above the Law. So if you do a quick search for that, you should be able to locate it. Tony, where can people follow you online? Follow me online at uh, Twitter, at tbartleme. Uh, you can email me at tbartleme at postandcourier.com. And I've got a website, tonybartleme.com, but that's for my book. Uh-huh. which I'm selling. Oh, why don't you plug your book? What's yeah. your book? So it's a book called The Surgeon in the Village, which is about a doctor from Charleston who was teaching brain surgery in Africa. It's a true story. It's a love story in it, and uh, it's, it actually was based on a series I did for the Post and Courier in 2010. Amazing. Awesome. Please feel free to follow up with any more questions. We'll be tweeting out the link to the original story as well. When this airs, our Twitter handle is at understandsc. So also make sure to give us a follow and, and subscribe. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just, I just, I'll wrap this up with a quick little plug to subscribe to The Post and Courier. As, as we mentioned in this story, you know, we, we spend a lot of money and time doing reporting like this. And this is exactly what your uh, subscription dollars go to support. So, And it makes a difference. It does. Um, stories like this are really important for us to have a functional society. Um, it's already led to public change, and more is probably coming. Right. Sheriff Will Lewis said, nobody will find out. Well, we did find out. All right, and that's all. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier in Charleston. Our theme song is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music by searching for Billy, that's with an I-E, Fountain, on Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. You can get in touch with us by emailing understandsc at postandcareer.com, or, of course, you can tweet at us with any questions or comments. And if you're a fan of the show, please take a second to like us and leave a rating on the Apple Podcast Store. See y'all later. See y'all later.